Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. We want to welcome in our guy, George Bremer, from the Herald Bulletin here on The Fan. Uh, George, good afternoon, man. Um, are we going to see Check Down Charlie? I'm trying to think of a good nickname for Anthony Richardson. It was like 15 for 19 joint practice, and I think like, I don't know, 14 of them were short yardage or behind the line of scrimmage. Are we going to get a steady diet of this at least early on in his career? Uh, you know, I don't know. He's been pretty aggressive most of the time. I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, that defense of Matt Eberflus plays, and everybody's very familiar with it here. Get that hard shell out there, try to, you know, not let anything go over the top. I think he did a good job last night of, you know, taking what the defense was giving him, not trying to force things. Be interesting to see, you know, how that plays out over a full game. It's one thing to do it in practice. The one time he did kind of let it get to him and, and he did force one over the middle in seven on seven, it was intercepted. So I think that was an early lesson uh, that, you know, kind of kept him to, to doing what I think Shane Sykin wanted him to do. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they tackle a little bit more tonight. George, I know we're dealing with an extremely small sample size, but it was noteworthy that there were a number of sacks given up last night. How much do you attribute that to sacks that would have occurred because he held on to the ball too long versus some more leaks in the offensive line? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. I mean, the other thing about the way Eberflus plays, you know, given Richardson's nature, which we've seen him in, in the rest of practices, he wants to take that big shot. And so I think he was looking for it most of the time, and then he was kind of reluctantly taking the check down. Uh, a couple times that led to problems for him and, and let the pressure get there. A couple other times, you know, guys got through and, and, and made a play. It was, you know, not the starting line as well. I mean, it should be noted Ryan Kelly was out, uh, you know, dealing with foot injury, and then Will Fries left really early in practice. And they brought Arlington Hambright in there at right guard. So those guys, I think, were also probably had a little bit of communication issues trying to get on the same page as well. Did you notice anything different now that Anthony Richardson has officially been named QB1? Any different energy, spring to the step, anything that you could see that was different? He's always been a really hyped guy. So I don't think that changed at all. I mean, from, from the first day of rookie minicamp, he's always had really high energy, but I think he's just even more comfortable. That's probably been the biggest thing throughout training camp, watching him just kind of settle in, you know, day by day. And now that he's been named QB1, uh, it just seems like he's very comfortable in that role. I don't think he's putting a lot of pressure on his shoulders right now. I think probably helps him go out there and, you know, play a little more conservatively in a practice like last night, not feeling like he has to do something to kind of catch the coach's eyes and, you know, make some big splash instead just going out and doing what he's being asked to do for the team. George Bremer with us, covers the Colts for the Herald Bulletin. The other area that is going to be a question mark, continue to be a question mark until either Jonathan Taylor reports back officially or until another move is made is how are the running backs on this roster responding and are they doing enough to carry the day? It felt like again last night that 
it was not the latter. It was once again another struggling performance from the running back room as a whole. Did you see it that way as well, George? And again, I know we're dealing with small sample sizes here, but at what point should alarm bells be going off with where this running back room is if there is no Jonathan Taylor come week one? Yeah, it was really noticeable yesterday. I think that's one of the things. In addition to, you know, Richardson kind of playing within himself and not going for the big shot, the run game was the only time they really got any kind of decent run was when he called his own number. Uh, The run game was really stuffed almost the entire night. And the offense was just sloppy in general. I mean, there were, I think, four holding penalties. Uh, The one really big pass he had, the 30-yarder to Farrell Brown, was called back because of an illegal formation. It just felt like, uh, what we saw a lot of last year, just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. You know, the the one four-minute drill they had, which they won because they were able to convert a fourth down and, and run out the clock, but even that was a roller coaster ride. Felt like one step forward, two steps back the whole way down the field. Uh, you know, that running game will help, I think, alleviate some of that. If you can get that consistent production from the running back, it, it kind of seems to put everybody on schedule and it kind of helps you clean up some of those small details. Uh, it's not there right now. And I don't think – I think also you don't want to put so much pressure on Richardson. Obviously, he's that dual threat, and you want to take advantage of it. But you'd also like to you know, allow him a few times to just hand the ball off and, and let somebody else make a play for him. George, if you channel your inner defensive coordinator here, right, if you look at the starting offense for the Colts this season, um, where do you think – they are suspect. You know what I mean? Where you say, hey, this is an area where we could attack them. Maybe it's due to inexperience. Maybe it's due to not being a, a, a top player or a, you know above average player at that position. Where do you think a defensive coordinator would say, here's where we probably have an advantage? I think they're going to start testing that line, right? I mean, until the offensive line comes out and proves – you know, on a week-to-week basis that, that they're going to hold up and they're going to give a good pocket. And there were times last night they did. It wasn't like they got whipped the entire night. Uh, but I think if, if you see those that kind of a chance there to, to get pressure on the quarterback, you're obviously going to take advantage of it. The run game that we just talked about, I think as long as Jonathan Taylor's not there, you're not going to worry that much about the run game. You're going to play the pass more and try to force Richardson into to maybe doing things he doesn't want to do. Uh, but even, you know, at, at the receiver court, I think one thing the defense coordinator might make a mistake in is look at that slot spot in Josh Downs and say there's a rookie there and maybe we can take advantage of that. It's, it's again, you know, as you've been saying, a very short, small sample size. Uh, but Downs is, is looking mature beyond his years. You know, he's been out there running good routes. He catches everything that, that's in his zone. I think he's a guy that might surprise, at least early on, if defense coordinators do look at him as a weak spot. That that might be a mistake. George, aside from growth, development, and everything else you want to see out of joint practices and training camp, the other big point of emphasis is getting through it injury-free. Ashton Doolin suffering a season-ending torn ACL per a number of different reporters, including Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. How significant is the loss, and who is impacted the most from a, a positive or negative standpoint within that wide receiver room with his absence now? It's a really huge loss on special teams. I mean, he's just a leader on that side, especially when you've got Brian Mason in here as a first-year coordinator, someone he was going to lean on, a captain type of guy. 
Uh, and now you've got to scramble, and you know I don't know if you replace them with just one guy. Honestly, uh, I think that's going to take a, a group, you know, a team to, to to overcome that. On the wide receiver side, Mike Schron's the guy whose name you know kind of first comes to mind, just because he continues to to make plays, you know, on the sideline throughout camp. But you wonder with the special teams aspect of that, might they go in a different direction? Uh, it's really going to be. A, a huge loss on the special teams unit. It does open up a, a depth spot, though, on the receiver group. And I think there's a number of guys. Strong's at the top of that list. Vincent Smith, if he can get healthy, gets in the mix. Rashard Perriman, if he can get healthy, gets in the mix. And maybe Cody Case has kind of flown under the radar, uh, came in as a tryout guy in rookie minicamp, made the team, had really the first deep reception from Anthony Richardson uh, from anybody on the team. You know, this may be a chance for a guy like that to, to step up put together a couple of good preseason games and, and, you know, make the coaches make a decision there. He's George Bremer, beat writer, sports editor at the Herald Bulletin, joining us here on The Fan. When you look at the first three games for Anthony Richardson, so home opener against Jacksonville, then first road game in his NFL career at Houston, followed by at Baltimore. So between those three, which do you think is the toughest test for Anthony Richardson at home against Jacksonville, at Houston, at Baltimore? It's tough because I'm not sure exactly what to to make. Uh, You've got to say coming in against the reigning division champ is is a tough way to start, but at least that one's at home. Uh, So I think I'll lean towards Baltimore year in and year out. That defense is is among the top defenses in the league. It's a really hard place to play. Even now, 40 years later, they still don't like Indianapolis. They're still angry about the team moving. Uh, It's going to be a hostile environment. It's usually a really physical game. I think that's one that's really going to be a welcome the NFL moment for them. George, looking at the second of these two joint practices, where are you hoping to see more juice or more of a get-up? doesn't matter what position group you want to focus on, but just an area that you were kind of disappointed last night that you want to see improve tonight. It would definitely be nice to see the run game get going. You know, somebody other than number five break one and and get something going in that area. Uh, but also, you know, I would like to see them be able to to test this defense a little more deep. I know that's something that that the Bears are you know going to be known for uh, keeping those passes underneath. But you still, I think, if you've got a game breaker like Alec Pierce and the way he's played this camp, you'd still like to see them be able to hit one him to get open and and a line to give the time for it to happen. Uh, I think that would be good to see. And then overall, cleaning up too many little mistakes that I think last year cost this team again and again. You go back to a lot of these games, it's it's really just a matter of shooting themselves in the foot. You know, not just last year, really last two or three years uh, where you can go back to to really big moments in the season and there's a flag or there's a missed block or something that is detail-oriented that didn't happen right. So too much of that last night and I think you know a clean practice would, would be a really big step forward for the Colts tonight hey George man thanks for your time today I hope you have a good uh rest of the day and we'll catch you later no problem thanks a lot guys thank you there he is George Bremer from the Herald Bulletin life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider Kesimpta ofatumumab 20 milligram injection you can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. 
Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Want to welcome in Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Our conversation with Matt Taylor is presented by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. Uh, good afternoon there, Matt. Where do you stand on Tom Petty? Big fan? Uh, oh, my gosh. All right. How, how long does your show go here? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure these guys have, have warned you of my Tom Petty uh, fandom. Um, probably saw him 10 times, and on the 40th anniversary tour in 2017, I saw four shows right before his death. So wow. feel good feel good about it, but yeah, I know I know a lot about Tom Petty. That's, that's an understatement. How about John Mellencamp? You a fan of him? I wrote my eighth grade term paper on John <laughs> Mellencamp. Uh, we had... <laughs> We had to write. We had to write a, a like a six page paper on music and lyrics and poetry, and I chose Seymour's Finest and, and John Mellencamp. That's awesome. Now, here's what I want to know, Matt. I was just thinking about this a second ago. What's something that's widely embraced in this area? Something that people in Indianapolis are commonly fond of that you're like, yeah, I'm just not a big fan myself. Is there anything you can think of? Oh man, that's a good question. You know, I don't know because I'm, I'm really Hoosier. Like I am. I mean, I love the month of May. I love the Indianapolis 500. I love a good breaded tenderloin. I love John Mellencamp. I love. I love going down to Lake Monroe. Um, I mean, I'm I'm probably the bad, the wrong guy to ask for that because I. I mean, I'm born and raised here. I'm not moving. Everybody here stuck with me. I apologize for that, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of 317, man, through and through. There's no doubt about that. Hey, man, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So let's put Anthony Richardson to the side because that's an obvious answer. Outside of Anthony Richardson, who or, or what are you most excited to see at the beginning of this season? Mm, good question. Yeah, I mean, if you take Anthony Richardson kind of out of the equation, I'm just really eager to see what the offensive line looks like. And I think in a small sample size going back to Saturday – you know, it's good. Uh, it was it was on the up and up, especially after last season, you know, the way things went with giving up 60 sacks and all those pressures. I just think that with uh, a renewed, you know, kind of chip on the shoulder with the core group of those players, right, you're talking about Ryan Kelly and Nelson and Braden Smith, those guys are back. And you know, I've been saying all offseason long, I mean, it's, it's really not that long ago, you know, that that group's not too far removed from – you know, leading the NFL in the fewest sacks in 2018. And, you know, I don't know what happened last year. I don't even think they know. I just think, you know, it was just sort of blood in the water in the sense that, you know, once the Colts, you know, showed, you know, they were susceptible to not being able to pick up stunts and and things at the line of scrimmage and blitzes and some exotics, you know, they just had a hard time with it and they never corrected it. But I think you're seeing already, again, in a short sample size, some more creative or uh, creativity in the ground game. Um, you know, the Colts, I think, blocked up, you know, the, the zone blocking scheme a little bit different or at least had some variety within that um, in that first quarter against the Bills. So that was good to see. Tony Sperano is, uh, again, breathing some new, fresh energy within that group. But I just think, you know, as that offensive line goes, and Anthony Richardson certainly is, is in that, but if, if you're excluding him, you know, as the offensive line goes, I think this team will go. And, you know, when you talk about a, a 4-12-1 and season last year, kind of the root of those troubles started with the offensive line. And I think 
especially on the left side, you saw tremendous growth. Bernard Ryman, you know, looks the part. He talks the part and, you know, put on a lot of weight. And I think his confidence really grew towards the end of last year and spent all of this offseason um, solidifying himself as the future left tackle, you know, up front. So I- I'm eager to see if it carries over into, into preseason game two along that offensive line. Matt, focusing on you for just a second, we joke all the time about how there's never really an off day or off moment for you over the course of the calendar year because the NFL has made it a 24-7, 365 animal. And yeah, I know you get time here and there, but it's a very busy 24-7 lifestyle for you when you pivot and it's like, okay, the 2023 season is here I know you're preparing constantly, but when does that moment really hit you now as you become a, a veteran broadcaster in the league? Is it week one? Is it joint practices are here? Is it the start of training camp? When does that light bulb and, and full-fledged, okay, we're here, it's time for a new campaign happen for you? It's a good question. I think it kind of comes in waves. I mean, I, I think kind of like the line of demarcation from from one season in your brain to the next is the draft. You know, once the draft is over, then it's like, okay, everything about 2022 is in the books. You know, the season was poor. All off season was talking about how poor the season was. And then looking ahead to the draft and talking about those quarterbacks every single day, everything you did was, who, who are the Colts going to get? What are they going to do? Do they need to trade up? So, you know, that that's kind of one phase of it. And then you have the draft. And then, okay, boom, 2022 is in the books. You know, the the consequence, if you will, was, you know, they picked fourth and then they got a quarterback and then the draft's over. Twelve guys are in, you know, from that huge draft hall. And so the next week really is kind of like a breath of fresh air because you have some, you know, finality to, again, the draft hall and then the schedule comes out a week later and then your mind kind of goes into already like preseason prep mode of, all right, we're playing, we're playing the Eagles, we're playing the Bills, we're playing the Bears. So then, like, you know, month of May and early part of June is getting ready for the preseason, kind of laying down that work. But I, I think, like, full-fledged, like, you know your life is over from a, you know, from a, um, you know, a social life component and, like, seeing your <laughs> friends and your family. I think, I think you know that is, is really kind of coming, like, on that first drive up to Grand Park on report day, whatever that was, like, July 25th and 26th. I looked at my wife and I said, take a picture, you know, take a good look. Cause you're not going to really see this um, until January, you know, when we can have a conversation again without two kids crawling on us. Um, and I'm not working until like 11 o'clock at night, getting ready for this game. So listen, I'm not complaining. That's just sort of how it is. That's kind of what you sign up for. Um, you know, it's, it's seven days a week for, for six months. But as I always say, and I joke, but not really, like, it beats working, dude. Like, I get to talk about football. I get to be on the radio. I get to be talking football. Like, I'm doing what my 10-year-old version of myself set out to do. So, in that sense, I'm, incre- I'm incredibly blessed, and I just have fun with it. And so, there are no bad days. It's just kind of a lot of work for, you know, half the calendar. He's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us here on The Fan. If you were able to handpick the week one opponent – for Anthony Richardson and the Colts. Would you choose someone other than the Jags? Where if you go, you know, with a lighter opponent, maybe, oh, I don't know, Houston. Um, A lot of people think Tampa is going to struggle. What would you choose if you were able to do so in week one? 
Yeah, I don't know if there's such a thing as a lighter opponent, but I think, like, selfishly, if, I, if I'm making the ideal Colts schedule, I don't know if I have, you know, my chief competition week one of the regular season, right? The team that just won the AFC South that seems to be best positioned for, you know, success long-term within the division, great roster, great coach, you know, stability at the quarterback position, you know, ample, uh, you know, receivers to throw to. But then defensively, they got playmakers. They've been, you know, drafting the top five for the last, you know, six out of the last seven years or whatever it is. So they're kind of stacked defensively. And you know the Jaguars are going to be throwing a lot of stuff at Anthony Richardson in that first game. A lot of stuff he probably hasn't seen. I mean, you kind of get a get a little bit of a break because it is a home game for the Colts against the Jaguars, and you know they've had certainly much better success against Jacksonville at home recently than than on the road. But yeah, maybe I would have picked a different opponent, maybe not a lighter opponent, but a different opponent because that game has a lot of magnitude just with it being the Jaguars and an AFC South game right out of the gate for Anthony Richardson. Voice the Colts, Matt Taylor with us on the Fan at Midday show. Maytay, with joint practice night number one in the books, what surprised you both from a positive and negative standpoint the most last night? And where would you like to see further growth or see that turned around in night two? Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I don't know if surprised is the right word, but excited to see the the combination of the slot receivers for the Colts and Isaiah McKenzie and Josh Downs. I mean, those those two guys look destined to have really big roles, important roles for the Colts this season. Josh Downs catches everything. Uh, he's got a huge catch radius for a guy of his his stature. You know, for how small he is, and you know, it's really not surprising that he and Anthony Richardson seem to have really good rapport. They're in the same draft class. They're rooming together during training camp. You know, so they talk all the time about not only football, but just about a bunch of other stuff. So it seems like they're kind of hitting it off. And so he's really, really good. He's returning punts. He's returning kicks. Same thing with McKenzie. He's really good in the slot. But, you know, the Colts are getting creative with taking advantage of his speed, not to get too schematical, but, you know, putting him in motion, you know, some jet sweep stuff, just getting him the football quickly on screens out in space. Really hard guy to tackle because he's small. He's kind of wiggly. If that's the right term, he's got a lot of shift and burst. I mean, we saw it yesterday. He put a move on a guy with yards after the catch and turned about a 15-yard gain into about a 60-yard uh, um, completion, all told, because of his his uh, speed with yards after the catch. So excited about those guys. And then just areas to clean up for the Colts. You saw it in the preseason. Um, you know, the Colts were, were held scoreless in the first quarter after some promising drives, primarily because of penalties. And you saw that yesterday in, uh, in the joint practice against the, uh, the Bears. They simulated some four-minute drills and some two-minute drills. Colts had some nice plays, and Richardson had some nice completions, but they got called back because of illegal formations and holdings and stuff like that. So it's kind of procedural. It's kind of little, but little, listen, we all know the little things add up to big things, and you, know, you can't have you know, uh, penalties that are erasing big plays from a rookie quarterback like Anthony Richardson who's trying to – build his timing and rhythm and just confidence overall. So you have to take advantage of everything you can playbook-wise within this offense. You can't sabotage it with penalties. So tonight I want to see those little things cleaned up within the offense. What are you expecting from Anthony Richardson as far as his play in the second preseason game and also his playing time? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, selfishly, if it was me, I, I mean, I think I, I would love to play him. I mean, I know I'm not the movers and shakers there, but, I mean, I, I think, you know, people say, you know, it kind of complicates – uh, the matter when you have these joint practices, you know, you're going to see a ton of stuff in a joint practice that you wouldn't see in a preseason game. And I don't disagree with that. That's that's all true. But I still think there's value of, of playing in the preseason. I still think there's, you know, procedural value in just going out there, having the headset on right inside your helmet and being the guy in the huddle, regurgitating the plays at the line of scrimmage and you know, just getting more rapport and more synergy with your first team offensive line and being in the huddle with guys you're going to throw to like Pittman and Pierce and, and Granson and hand the ball off to hole and Jackson. So I still, I still think there's value in that. I don't know if he's going to play a full quarter or not, given the fact that he's had a ton of reps yesterday and then tonight against the bears. Um, and same probably holds true next week, right? You're going to do joint practice one day with the Eagles and then play them on Thursday night. I still think there's a lot of value in playing in the preseason and just getting reps. Reps, 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 time on task. I don't know if I would throw him out there with the second team or the second team offensive line, but certainly the first team, you know, Richardson, I, I would play him just because of his limited resume coming out of college, only those 13 games. I just don't see any downside, if you will, to playing him in preseason games, even though he's got joint practices under his belt as well. Hey, Matt, great stuff. Uh, by the way, how many Mellencamp shows did you make it to? I'm going to take the oh, under man. nine and a half based yeah, on what you said about it. It wasn't, wasn't ten. Yeah. Probably saw three or four. Saw him play with John Fogarty. Saw him play, saw him play New Year's Eve, actually, in 2000. I was maybe like in eighth grade, ninth grade, and saw him play at the then Conseco Fieldhouse, 1999 going into 2000, and everybody's freaking out about Y2K. And his show actually went up to midnight, and everyone's freaking out. He's like, are the lights going to go off? You know, is this place going to catch on fire with the new year? And he kind of made fun of it. Um, probably said some, some things I can't repeat. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, great great show from what I can remember you know, being in middle school. So, fantastic guy. So, you're jamming to Mellencamp, and I turned five. That's what happened there. That's it's qu- it's quite, a, wow. quite a way to wow. ring in the new year. That's, that's, that's big awesome. stuff. Yeah. He really went there, Matt. <laughs> Unbelievable. By the, yeah. by the way. I don't know. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, I don't know if I could feel worse about myself, but thanks. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not even week one yet, my friend. We got plenty of time. Brian, I got something too here real quick. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Earlier in the week, Matt, we had uh, your colleague Lara on, and she was joking with us about how she was on the sideline last week, and her notes went flying, and uh, yeah. I forget who had to save them. And Mount Wilkening uh, made the suggestion that we should get Don Fisher uh, to do play-by-play of Lara's papers flying through the field and uh, getting close to the end zone. Oh, I mean, it's it's classic. I mean, let's go down to the sideline, check in with Lara Overton, brought to you by Four Winds Casinos, and a gust of wind, east to west, moves across the field, and papers flying everywhere, and Lara is, she is shaking but not stirred, and she is keeping her composure, and we got a little bit of a technical difficulty, but we'll go down to Lara once she grabs her papers. And we'll get that sideline report. The injury update on Alec Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Now, that was a drop-the-mic moment. And listen, I, I do have a follow-up question. When I should have just let that be it. But I'm just, <laughs> I, really, I, I just think it's so cool. While we're talking about, you know, Mellencamp and you being true uh, Indianapolis, a true Hoosier, how cool is it for you to be the voice of the Colts where 
it would be cool to, to be the voice guy of, I don't know, the Rams or the whoever you didn't grow up rooting for. You're not the right. Browns play-by-play guy. You're the Colts guy, and you grew up here. Like, How much does that mean to you, and how cool is that for you? Yeah, I mean, I think about it every day. I mean, I really do. I mean, it's 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 not it's not lost on me just like the odds of me having this job in the market I grew up in for the team that I grew up watching. I mean, I say it all the time. Like it takes me it takes me 17 minutes from my driveway to get to my seat in the press box in which I call the game. I mean, it's 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 ridiculously how fortunate I am and you know, I I kind of made a deal with my wife. You know, we started dating, and, you know, we, we always wanted to have a family and have kids and everything, and, and she's really close with her family here. I'm really close with my family here, too. So neither of us really kind of wanted to move. And so I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this for as long as I can, and I'm going to chase this dream um, until it just doesn't make sense anymore. And I never had a plan B, which looking back on it was kind of terrifying, but it was also kind of like, I got to make this work. And I think it, I, I not to get too preachy on you guys, but like I, when I, when I talk to kids or I do a class, it's like, don't say no to any opportunity. Cause my opportunity came when MS or, you know, radio one, formerly MS, you know, took my, my resume off a stack of papers. And they said, we need somebody to come in and answer phones on a Friday night, and Saturday night for high school sports you know, high school football and basketball, um, if I say no to that really, really crummy job, and this is before, you know, Twitter and everything, um, you know, if I, if I say no to answering phones, uh, I say no to everything that can happen to me after that. So I got my foot in the door, and I showed people what I could do. I could sh- I showed people my versatility and showed how passionate I was and how I was obviously, you know, a lot more than just a guy that could – pick up a phone and write down a score. Um, so I just needed a, an opportunity. I mean, I'm sure you guys have similar stories where just get your foot in the door, bang the door down, start climbing the ladder. And, you know, obviously you got to get lucky. You got to get, you know, have some breaks go your way, but you also have to put yourself in a position where when something breaks, you know, hopefully there's no reason for someone to not give you the job because of your hard work and dedication. So long winded answer. It's, Again, I'm I'm incredibly fortunate that I didn't have to move across the country to chase this dream, and I didn't have to move my wife and her family away. So it's just really, really cool that I grew up here. I, you know, I grew up on the South Side, grew up watching the Colts, and now I get to to work for the team and, and narrate the game, and I hopefully give a lot of other people enjoyment um, and enhance their game day experience by doing it. Well, that's awesome, Matt. You're making the most of it, that's for sure. And uh, appreciate the time today, man. We'll catch you down the road for sure. All right, boys. Always good to be with you. Have a good one. Thanks, me too. There he is, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts.